I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 243 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have a very special guest with me here today. If you have ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down, then you are in for a real treat. Night Stalker pilot Mike Durant was shot down in Somalia back in 1993 when he was flying a Black Hawk helicopter. He was taken prisoner for 11 days before being released, and he retired from the Army as a Chief Warrant Officer for Black Hawk Helicopter Master Aviator in the legendary 160th Soar. It is a huge honor for me to have him on the podcast with me here today. Mike Durant will be here in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And this interview is very special for me, not only because I've seen the movie at least a hundred times, I have read the book Black Hawk Down by Mark Bowden, and I have also read Mike Durant's book In the Company of Heroes, which is just a phenomenal read. Mike Durant took part in several major operations, including Operation Just Cause, in which the Panamanian leader Manuel Noriega was captured. And Mike goes into great detail in the book about what it's like to be a night stalker pilot, and they are the best of the best in the special operation aviation game. And it goes without saying that I highly recommend the book, in the company of heroes and the link to it will be in the description of today's podcast episode and i do remember watching the drama of the battle of magadishu unfold on tv back in 1993 when i was just 13 years old which is the age of my oldest son now and i remember seeing the bodies of delta operators gary gordon and randy sugar being dragged through the streets both of them were responsible for saving mike durant's life and they died heroes i also remember seeing the video of mike durant himself being held captive And as a matter of fact, you guys know just how much I admire the Navy SEALs and read all of their books. The first Navy SEAL book that I ever read was Howard Wasden's SEAL Team 6 book. He was part of a four-man SEAL team that was present in the Battle of Mogadishu. And I'm going to have another Navy SEAL with me here for a Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Former Navy SEAL Chris Gomez will be here with me on Friday, so lock it in for that. And tomorrow, we're going to go back to the football field with 11-year NFL wide receiver TJ Hushmanzada. All right, so let's go, dads. Please share this podcast with every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that is celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with legendary Night Stalker pilot Mike Durant. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, First Class Fatherhood is being brought to you today by Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They sent me their lawnmower 2.0, and I wish they had something like this years ago. I can't tell you how many times I've nicked my nuggets in the shower while shaving, and you definitely don't want to be using the same razor on your face that you're using down there on the two amigos. The lawnmower 2.0 is an electric trimmer with skin-safe technology. It's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. So let's go, dad. Right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners are getting 20% off their entire order, plus free shipping by using the promo code FATHER. Go to manscaped.com, enter the promo code FATHER at the checkout, save 20% off, and get free shipping. Manscaped.com, promo code FATHER. All right, and joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a retired Chief Warrant Officer for Combat Veteran. 
His awards include the Distinguished Flying Cross with the Oak Leaf Cluster, Bronze Star with Valor, the Purple Heart, three Air Medals, the Prisoner of War Medal, and many others. It is a tremendous honor for me to say, Mike Durant, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Well, my wife and I have raised six. Uh, three of those are mine. Uh, three of those uh, I, I uh, got as part of a package deal when I remarried. The oldest is uh, 31, and they're uh, sort of clustered together there in, in their 20s, and then our youngest just turned 15. Wow, okay, yeah, that's a big uh, a big range there. I got four myself. We're only going from 13 to 5, so I got a, a little ways to go yet. We're bracing for impact here for the teenage years. <laughs> well, I, I, we had pretty good luck with it for the most part, um, but uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of curveballs that can come your way in that time, that's for sure. Well, definitely all this uh, information I've been getting here has been helping me out, but uh, if you could, Mike, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, my background is I was a uh, special ops Black Hawk pilot. I spent 22 years in the military. Uh, I suppose the most uh, recognizable thing for the average person is uh, I was the guy who was shot down in Somalia at the movie Black Hawk Down is all about. And uh, I'm the real-life guy, not the actor. And uh, uh, awesome career. You know, I, I, it would take me days to talk about just, the, you know, those life experiences and, and what, what kind of an impact all that had on me. Uh, retired in 2001, and uh, that's also the same year I, I was remarried. And uh, we uh, moved to Huntsville, Alabama, where we currently live. Been here now 18 years. And uh, 11 years ago, I started my own business, so I took some of the things that uh, I learned from my experiences in life in general and in the military and applied those to a commercial venture here, and we're doing pretty well, actually. Yeah, your story is just incredible, and, I, and of course, I've obviously seen the movie, and I've read your book in The Company of Heroes, and I thought it was just uh, you know, ph- phenomenal. I'm going to get more into that in just a minute here, but how old were you, Mike, when you first became a father, and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? So, uh, first child was born one year before we deployed to Somalia, so I, I was 32 uh, when uh, my first son was born. So I've seen, you know, you, you've interviewed a lot of folks that have uh, deployed a lot and uh, uh, some special ops type uh, operators, and, and they probably have all said the same thing. When you're in that kind of a unit and you're trying to raise a family, it's a bit of a challenge because you're gone a lot, and you really have to rely heavily on uh, those around you. Obviously, if if you are married, your your, your spouse is critical. Um, because, you know, you're gone at a moment's notice, and oftentimes you're gone for three months, you know, in some cases longer than that. And that's really tough, especially, you know, during uh, critical times when, you know, you miss birthdays, you miss holidays, you miss school events, whatever it is. So it, it's a very, very uh, difficult challenge, and, and I think it takes extraordinary people to do it successfully, and, and it takes a village. It really does. It, it cannot be done uh, alone uh, in those circumstances. Yeah, and I'm sure you've heard me say it too on the show, Mike. It's just one of the biggest reasons why I have so much respect. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I have so much respect for all of you guys that and women that serve, just because uh, I can't imagine how hard it would be to try to balance that out between having a family and doing such a, a you know an important and uh, a, you know a job that takes so much of your focus. And and you did you spent 11 days in captivity in Somalia. 
What were the children like there, Mike, as opposed to, like, kids here or families there? What were, like, the relationships between the kids and the dads that you've seen over there? So it's funny. When you break people down to their basic elements, we have so much in common. You know, you would think when you first look at, at Mogadishu, it's like another planet, really. I mean, for those of us who, you know, live here in cities of comparable size, it's uh, it's just completely different. But once you get inside and you see how the people interact and and how children behave and you know how they play in the street, it's it's all the same. I did not see a lot of interaction between uh, fathers and their children, but you could sense that uh, you know the family relationships were were very similar. You know the young people look to the older people and elders for life lessons and mentorship and values and all the same things that, that, you know, impact our youth here, impact the youth there. Yeah, very well said. And uh, did you feel comfortable letting your kids uh, see the movie when it came out? And what were your thoughts about the film? So we, we really don't talk about it. You know, it's, uh, if they, if they want to see it, they're free to see it. I know some of them have and, and some of them haven't. Uh, if, they're, if they want to read the book, they're free to read the book. That, that's their decision. But we've sort of put it off on the side and, and don't really ever even talk about it. It's, it's not something, you know, if they, if they want to know something, I'm, I'm happy to talk to them. But it's just, it's just a different phase of life. And uh, there's, there's just so much more that occupies our time and our thoughts today that we really don't spend any time even even discussing it. Yeah, and it must be difficult, too, Mike. I mean, you've had, you had a 22-year military career, and, and obviously, you know, you're most known for the uh, Black Hawk Down incident, but, I mean, you continued to serve for so long after that. What was it like for you serving in the service after that incident? Was it something that always came up, or was it kind of did people respect the fact that it was like you're, you're moving on from it, so they left it alone? It, it came up a lot. You know, people were constantly looking for lessons learned and, you know, because if you think about it, if you look at the timeline, that happened in 93. We didn't get involved in the global war on terror in 2001. So we had eight years where there wasn't a lot of combat experience and people were really looking at that mission to, to pull as much as they possibly could out of it. I would, I would say even today, that particular battle and, you know, my personal experience and the personal experience of many others there that day uh, is still scrutinized because e even today after all that's gone on in Iraq and Afghanistan, there are some unique elements there that we still need to, to, to leverage and learn from. So for that eight years w until my retirement, there was an awful lot of pull on all of us to try to share, you know, our perspective and try to help make the, you know, the, the military better. And I think we did. I, I've always said that there was one thing that I would say was positive about Somalia is that we had an opportunity to look at it and understand the challenges involved in fighting in that kind of an environment for eight years before, you know, we had to do it on a much larger scale in, in multiple locations. Uh, and, and I think we were better prepared for the global war on terror. Yeah, yeah, very well said. And uh, getting back to you as a dad here, Mike, I mean, I've seen you speak before, uh, you know, just through watching some of your seminars there on, on YouTube and stuff like that. You're obviously very well disciplined in the military. Uh, what type of disciplinarian are you like as a father? Well, I, I, I think I'm certainly a lead-by-example kind of father. I, I, I am absolutely uh, a subscriber of the, uh, you know, walk-the-walk 
mentality and it matters much more what you do than what you say. Uh, in terms of discipline, you know, I think uh, that we've been fortunate in that we haven't had a lot of discipline problems. We, we've got one outlier, but, you know, it was just I consider it a phase and, and we've gotten through all that. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. We one of our kids um, that uh, invited some friends to a lake house that we have and there was alcohol involved and we found out about it and we had the option to come down really hard on her or uh, try to make a life lesson out of it and, and we, ch- we chose to make a life lesson out of it and explain to her, hey, look, you know, this is wrong. Uh, you put us at risk. I mean, you got underage kids out here consuming alcohol. Who, you know, there's water here. There's drowning risk. There's there's driving risk. Think about all the things that you put at risk for us. When when we, you know, everything we do in our life is is built around trying to help you be successful. And we don't want this to create a a situation where you know we punish you for a period of time and create create resentment. Uh, we want you to learn from this mistake, and we, you know, we're willing to forgive you, and we want you to, you know, to say you'll never do this again. And I think it was one of the better decisions we ever made, actually, because uh, she appreciated the the way we handled it. She learned from her mistake. It didn't happen again, and she turned into a fantastic young woman. Yeah, very cool. It's definitely one of the things that you know concerns my wife and I as our kids are just starting to hit them teenage years. And uh, and I drive Uber on the weekends, and I drive a lot of college kids around. There's a local college here, and it's from what I see, the decisions that are going on and what they're doing. It's uh, it gives me pause, and uh, you know I definitely want to make sure that I don't punish too much where they don't want to come and talk to me and be honest about what's going on. That's really, I guess, the biggest fear that I have when it comes to parenting. Absolutely, and that's the that's the risk you take if you are a little bit too harsh. I'm not, you know, I'm not suggesting you don't discipline at all, but you know, it needs to be fair, it needs to be measured, and I think it, need, you know, you need to find a balance between how hard you want to come down and still protect that relationship because it is it is critical to, that you have that good communication and that relationship throughout life, through all the different phases, which you know how you deal with it and and how you communicate. You know, with a four-year-old, is obviously dramatically different than than when you do when you're communicating with a 17-year-old or or a 20-year-old. Yeah, very well said. All right, Dad, the NFL season is now upon us, and the Major League Baseball season is winding down. There is no better time to take your kids to the ball game, and First Class Fatherhood listeners can save twenty dollars off their tickets on SeatGeek.com by using my promo code First Class. That's one word, First Class. Maybe you want to see a concert or a Broadway show. Save 20 bucks on the tickets on SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code FIRSTCLASS. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. SeatGeek.com, promo code FIRSTCLASS. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. And, and I read your book, In the Company of Heroes, and that came out in 2003, a couple of years after the movie. Uh, were you approached to write the book, or was that something that you had planned on doing? And what was the genesis of you coming out with the book? So I, I really respected the the whole secrecy of the special operations community, and and uh, I wrote down some notes about the mission, uh, drafted some thoughts right after it happened, and then I put it away because I I didn't feel like it was appropriate to even consider uh, writing something uh, about operations that were so recent. Uh, that you know to me that that just wasn't the right thing to do well 
after the movie came out, uh, I realized, well, I mean, basically the whole mission story is on the street at this point. And now, you know, I have sort of an individual story that uh, has not been told. And I think I can tell it and not uh, worry about, you know, 10 years have gone by and, and there, there's certainly not a lot of operational specificity that matters at this point, you know, 10 years into the future. So I, I thought, you know what, uh, I think it's probably going to be okay to do it at this point. And I, I sought out some mentors that were senior leaders in the com- in the community, and they said, you know what, I don't think anybody's going to give you any, any grief for writing a book at this point. So that's when I reached out to uh, to find a publisher and uh, an agent, and uh, uh, it was a great, great experience. Uh, it turned out really well. I'm very proud of it, and uh, uh, I have no regrets about doing it at this point for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a book. I, th- I think just about everybody, every American should read. I think it's a, it tells a wonderful story. And that, now, did any of your kids ever take up flying or helicopters or any other type of flying at all? So we have talked about it, and my my theory is this. I retired when they were all pretty young, and the world they know really is Huntsville, Alabama, which is an engineering town. I mean, it's it's compared to a Raleigh, North Carolina, or the Beltway. I mean, the, the, there there's just a lot of engineers here. There's a lot of aerospace, but it's not on the it's not on the flying side. It's on the technology side. So we've got their their interests have been more in that direction and uh we haven't necessarily wanted to hold them back from flying or serving in the military but there's not really been a lot of interest from uh any of them in doing that and that's fine i want them to do whatever they're interested in uh you know it's funny our youngest who's now 15 i went to a parent child uh it's not space camp, which people are familiar with. It's the it's sort of the sister course at the same facility called Aviation Challenge. And if you know, listeners out there have not heard about this, look it up because it, it's a tremendous opportunity for a, a parent-child relationship building. You go there and you bunk together, and you, it's basically uh, Aviation Challenge is a mini flight school. I mean, we learned about aerodynamics, we did evasion, we we flew simulators. You know, you you plan missions, all of that. And it lasts about four days total, and I did this with our youngest. I did it with one of the girls, and then I did it with our youngest, Michael, also. And uh, he just wrote, uh, I guess it's now six years later, in a in a uh, an essay for school. Now that he's in high school, what influenced his decision to want to pursue the career he wants to pursue? And my wife and I were trying to speculate about what he would pick. You know, he, he would pick because she's a pilot, also. He would pick. Uh, well, you know, my parents are both pilots, so I, I got. Him, I, I was interested in aviation or, you know, this or that. But what he wrote about was, I went to Aviation Challenge with my dad, and I got interested in being uh, an aerospace engineer, and that's what he has wanted to be now for, you know, since we started talking about career decisions. And it's just just really uh, rewarding, I suppose, is the right word, to, to realize years down the road that that is the event in his life when he thinks back, that, that, pushed him in this direction and and uh again great program there's lots of you know similar programs like that out there but that one in particular is really a good one and gives you a chance to really spend some quality time with uh with your kids yeah very cool i'll throw a link to that in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners could just tap the link if they want to find out uh, more about it what about like as far as um you know becoming a night stalker it seems like now today especially with the navy seals being in the public everyone writing books like years ago 
Um, not many people knew about a lot of these special operation forces like the SEALs, like the Night Stalkers and all this stuff. When did you first become aware of what a Night Stalker was? And Was it when you were a child? How long did you really want to be that, or did that come after you joined the service and you found out? It's kind of funny. I was just thinking about this the other day. Uh, I, and and this is the, the the actual moment when I found out about this unit. I was in Korea. I'd already gone to flight school. I wanted to, I wanted to fly, and I went when I was pretty young. I graduated flight school at 22. So I think back. I look at 22 year olds now, and I don't mean to sound uh, condescending or whatever, but it just it seems young to be in charge of a military aircraft flying missions, uh, you know, in a foreign country. But but I was, and, and I, I was, I loved it. it. It was the fulfillment of a dream I'd had since I was about 14. And I was sitting in a bar with this guy who had just come from Fort Campbell, and he's talking about this special unit there that nobody's supposed to know about that is, is you know, looking for people that, you know, want to go do these uh, classified missions and work with these special units. And, and I'm like, wow. I mean, I didn't even know that kind of thing existed. I, I would really, really like to know more about that. So when I got assigned to Fort Campbell, uh, uh, the first thing I did is figure out where in the heck these guys were located. I went over there and filled out an application, and, uh, and I guess you could say the rest is history. So you're right. At the time, there was not a lot of information. I mean, people knew about special forces, and people knew about Navy SEALs in general, but they, they didn't know about some of these sort of subsets within within those groups that were, you know, e even, uh, you know, a tier, a tier up in terms of, uh, uh, the secrecy and the sensitivity of the missions and all that, and it's, uh, it's certainly something I'm proud to say I was a, I was a small part of and a really exciting part of my professional life. Yeah, and, and there's no doubt that there's, uh, you know, a number of, of kids that have been inspired to become pilots based on your book and the movie. And obviously uh, Gary Gordon and, and Randy Sugar both were awarded uh, posthumously the Medal of Honor after they were killed in the Somalia incident there. Uh, I know Gary had a couple of kids. I'm not sure about Randy. Do you still stay in touch with those families or anybody else that was connected to the raid? So I, I've seen the families uh, every now and then. I just saw them again uh, at Fort Bragg. Uh, I think it was about a year ago now. Uh, I was down there for uh, a memorial. And uh, no, uh, Randy did not have any kids. Uh, Gary, Gary did have two, and uh, they were both there, and they're, they're both doing well. Um, uh, as far as keeping in touch, you know, we tend to stay in touch more with the folks that were in our, you know, part of the operation. So I'm, I'm almost in daily contact with the, with the aviation guys. Uh, not so much, you know, some of the other units that we supported. Although, like I said, when we do a, uh, a reunion or, or whatever, I've, I've tried to go to all those. I think I've made them all, and it's uh, it's always great to see those folks and you know see uh, see how well everybody's doing. Unfortunately, we're all getting a little bit older but uh, you know it's life and, and we just got to enjoy every moment that we can yeah and, and i know that right now uh, our political atmosphere is a total nightmare but is that anything that you've ever considered throwing your hat into the political arena at all or is that off the radar for you uh, you know i say it's off the radar it just doesn't suit my personality i just can't do it and i know that's probably the kind of people we'd say well that's who we want doing it but Unfortunately, I don't think in our system it works. I, I think you have to be, uh, you know, of a certain uh, uh, personality and, and, and value system to do it and and do and win. You know, in the end, you have to win. You could be, you know, the most honest, down-to-earth, uh, good-intentioned person in the world, but if you don't win, it doesn't accomplish anything. 
and and I just don't see how I could possibly do it. I really don't. I, you know, I don't even like. I tell people I don't even like the politics of business. I can't imagine the politics of politics. <laughs> yeah, right on with that. And what type of goals or plans do you have here for yourself in the future, Mike? Well, uh, you know, finish it up the the job at hand, which is the family. Uh, you know, we only have one left at home, and uh, he's doing well. He's the one I was just talking about that we went to uh, Aviation Challenge together. Um, he's been the easiest so far, uh, and uh, I hope we stay on that trend. Uh, the uh, you know he's he's going to be uh, off to college in in about two and a half more years. You know, here professionally, I'm sort of targeting that same time frame to start throttling back a little bit. It's, uh, you know, I, I've been a CEO here for 11 years, and there's a lot, there, there's a lot to that. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it can be all-consuming. I, I don't think I've let it be all-consuming, but it can be, and, and it is somewhat stressful. And you got to be able to, you know, find that work-life balance. And I think my family would say that I've done that, and I've tried pretty hard to do that. But uh, you know, I also uh, you know want to have a little bit more time to enjoy the things that I like. Uh, we purchased a place in Colorado. We're planning to spend some time out there. Just love the mountains. I grew up in the mountains uh, in New England, and uh, uh, the 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 winter in Colorado is a little bit more tolerable than the winter in New England. And uh, uh, and so we plan to spend you know maybe half the year up there and climb a few mountains and keep, keep skiing and those sort of things and. Uh, and watching grandchildren uh, grow up and come visit uh, as often as they can. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Mike, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new father or for that about-to-be dad who's out there listening? Uh, advice. Uh, I, I guess the best advice maybe uh, would come from the things that I don't do well, that that I try to do better at. I think men tend to be fixers. Uh, I've heard this from a couple of different folks, at least about my personality, that, you know, we 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 think, uh, you know, a very straightforward, direct uh, solution to a problem will, will, will solve it. And we're dealing with people when we're, when we're trying to be a father, and, and people don't always react the same way to the same thing. So we need patience. We need uh, understanding, we need to listen, and we need to love. And I think if you approach it in those terms, you know, the specifics don't matter. Uh, it, it, you'll, you'll find a way to be successful. But if, uh, you know, if you're overly harsh or if you uh, are not trying to have a relationship with your child, if you, uh, you know, don't prioritize it, then, then it's probably not going to go well. They, they, they need your leadership. They need your mentorship. They need your values, uh, and they need your time. And uh, if you're willing to give all that, you'll be successful. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been a big honor for me. I got to say, Mike Durant, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. It's been my pleasure. Thanks.
Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood, I got to give a special thank you once again to Mike Durant for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was an incredible honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And do yourselves a favor, tap the link in the description of today's podcast and check out Mike Durant's book, In the Company of Heroes. You guys are going to love it. Uh, tomorrow on the podcast, we are going back to the gridiron here. 11-year NFL veteran wide receiver TJ Hushmanzada joins me. And Friday, of course, we have a Frogman Friday edition of the show. Former Navy SEAL Chris Gomez joins me here. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.